0: We try to communicate more with clients than most accountants do. The Big Chat. This is all about collaboration and giving people in our towns the chance to have their say, their way. Today's episode of The Big Chat is rather special which is why we're giving you a few extras this week. One of the things that I've done throughout my time in business is quite naturally given advice, business mentored and supported those that might be starting up new business ventures, existing entrepreneurs, business owners. And more recently, I've embarked on a life coaching career as well. The people you'll listen to in today's episode are individuals that I did work with and coached for a period throughout the pandemic and what was amazing to me is that coaching people who want to do the work really does bring out the best, brings out their own brilliance, reveals their own power, ignites extra enthusiasm And also enables people to have insights that sometimes we all get a bit stuck. And we don't necessarily see the way through. Can't always see the wood from the trees. And a simple thing like sitting with someone and talking through, working with some processes and exploring different techniques can really open up opportunities and excitement, and ignite businesses again. So I really hope you enjoy today's episode as these guys really put in the work and really deserve the success that they're now seeing. So enjoy today's episode of The Big Chat. Some very special coaches of mine. Hello, I'm Nicole. And welcome to the big chat. And today, I'm very, very excited to be talking to um, a fabulous man that goes by the name of Ed Tranter. Ed Tranta from 73 Media. We're going to hear all about that right now. Hello, Ed.
1: Hi. Hi. I just really wanted to do you that because to it is, do that. I do because this is this is the closest I'll ever get to having my own radio show where I can do. <laughs> Not available in you've the shops. S-
0: you've sussed it now. It's that's nice. all I want. It's my <laughs> it own radio show, basically. Exactly. How are you?
1: I'm radiantly well. You Thank look you radiant. Yes. Well, that's what um lack of sleep and then just kind of going. Okay, pick up. Come on, there we go. Hi, hi. Yes, we got lots on at the moment, so um, lots of uh, late nights going on. So. Um, Yes, all a bit frantic, but really good. But yeah, so very positive.
0: You are always very positive. I try my best. Tell everyone about, look, first off, we'll stick to, you're doing a lot. (laughs) So we'll we'll cover what you're doing right now, how we've introduced you. Tell everyone about 73 Media in a nutshell. Um,
1: 73 Media in a nutshell. Um, So I started 73 Media as a kind of an events agency and organiser back in, 2018 um, our second full year of trading as an events company was 2020 perfect timing <laughs> perfect timing. because it was unencumbered by things like events and crowds of people so that's brilliant news when you're running an events company so basically what we do is um, we operate across really three kind of vertical parts of our business so one is what we call 73 originals which is our own events that we have created from concept and then we deliver them throughout so we have a couple of uh, large-scale consumer exhibitions. So one is the Rugby Show, which is all about rugby, because I quite like rugby. As everyone quite like knows. Rugby. I do quite like rugby. Come on, you wasps. <laughs> and then <clears throat> the other one is the One Earth Show, which is all about sustainable living mm-hmm. for consumers, how to make that change and that difference. Then we go on to, I guess, the biggest part of our business, which is managed by 73, which is where we might take a company, if they've never done events before, we take them through from concept, research, design, delivery, the full gamut, through to some cases we work with large-scale event organisers where we're helping them deliver virtual events, hybrid events, physical events. We do them internationally. We're just about to do one in Miami, which is very exciting. And so that's running events for other people. So effectively, we become you know their events team. Yeah. Um, and then the other part is called front row seat, which is more of a kind of a Think of it like a corporate experience type thing. So instead of taking people for a box of 10 to a football match or something, we create a bespoke experience, similar numbers where it might be sportsmen or or it's money can't buy experiences. So it's creating experiences that leave lasting memories is what Mm. we say. So we work across all those different things.
0: It's quite a lot.
1: It is quite a lot.
0: (laughs) So you and you are a local. I am. You are a local.
1: I've been here since I was three and a half.
0: That's pretty local. It is. That's, I've kind of pitched you to the post. I was literally born here. But no, three and a half. Where were you before you were three and a half?
1: Uh, rugby. I was born in rugby. Oh, yes. You can't get much you more literally- commitment for the sport <laughs> than actually being born in the town. Brilliant. Oh, yes. Come on.
0: So you were born in rugby, moved to Tunbridge Wells?
1: Yes, so you moved to Tunbridge Wells. Well, I think I was actually just about four. Um, so my parents split up and we moved down. My mother was quite young. And we moved to live with her aunt and uncle who lived in Tunbridge Wells. So yes, yeah, so I went to Bishopstown County Primary, then Skinner's, Floriato Dalitas. and then um, and then yeah, been here ever since.
0: And then the rest so. What happened after Skinner's? <laughs>
1: um, let's well, not
0: talk about what happened at Skinner's. Let's really not talk about it.
1: <laughs> I think I do still have the record. Were... I had um, I got I think it was forty six detentions in my first year. And thirteen Saturdays. It turned out I did not respond well. We to We are not authority. advising people to have no. detentions.
0: That does not make Stay you in school, successful kids. in business. Stay in school.
1: <laughs> just say no. So, um, so yes, I just didn't respond well. And I think obviously parents breaking up and all that sort of stuff it kind of messes mm. with you a bit. But, but it wasn't for me. So I I came out of school with an E and a D at A level, so I could spell my own name with my qualifications, which I thought was a win. Frankly, not many people can do that. Just saying. So um, so we did that. And then um, then I took on a very serious attempt to um, stay up till four in the morning with my mates every day of the week and then sleep till three in the afternoon. And then my mother, who was, to be fair, exceptionally patient, um, one day said to me, right, if you haven't got a job by the end of the week, you've got to go. Um, she gave so you a week. She did give me a week. That was really generous. So like on day five... <laughs> I I, you know love a deadline I went out and so um, I went to the local recruitment consultants because I didn't know really what to do other than I needed a job so I went to like floss and all those sorts of things Mm -hmm. and I sat down in this room with them and I was like you know chat 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 and um, and this lady said have you ever thought about sales and I said I'd rather die than do that (laughs) And they said, at the time, they said, well, the basic salary is nine and a half grand. And I said, it's always been an ambition of mine (laughs) to do sales. And so I went off. And anyway, um, it was a company called Miller Freeman, who were like a publishing company. Miller
0: Freeman, yeah. Who
1: were based in Tunbridge. Mm. And so I went along and they misread the CV or the form that went through was misread or something. It was a graduate interview. And of course, I hadn't gone to university. Mm. So I rocked up and they said, "Well, well, you're here now. You might as well. Crack on, so so, and then chat my way through, and then at the end, this very intimidating lady called Val Camp, um, basically said, um, said sell me, uh, chucked a rock on the table and said, sell me that. And um, the person, so she was there with this other person, and the per- and so this lady was pregnant and had a picture on the back wall which was her husband and I think three sons. And I said uh, before we got into this fabulous rock. Can I just check? Is that your family on the back wall? And she said, Yes, it is. And I said, Well, obviously, you know, um, see, so you're expecting it's very exciting. And like anyone, it's 10 tiny fingers, 10 tiny toes. You don't really care. But would I be right in thinking that if you could, you know, three boys, a house full of men, you'd probably quite like a, a girl this time? And she goes, Oh, but it'd be fabulous. And I said, Well, this rock guarantees the sex of your baby. Would oh, you
0: like it? he's so sm- he's smooth.
1: And so she, he's said, so she smooth. said, Well, think about it, because everyone else is graduates and you might struggle thank you so she said but let me know so I then shut the door walked over to the desk where her PA was and it had yeah. one of those squawk box intercom things and I pressed the button she answered and I said yeah I thought about it I'll take it brilliant and then that was that and I just just kind of fell into media publishing really yeah. so found I quite liked it I liked the selling I like chatting I like mm-hmm. meeting people um and then over a period of years did lots of publishing went to London yeah um and that's kind of where everything really sort of really cemented itself and I ran a weekly publication called New Media Rage which was all about the digital dot com industry I think I remember that which was very cool I remember my first client meeting at that and I rocked up to a company called Curb and I I'd come from a from a more business b2b title so I was in a suit went to their office in Brighton and obviously all the new media people were it was like Brighton Clarkenwell Hoxton and so I wasn't prepared for it at all so i walked in and they were all like chains board shorts skateboards kind of giving it all this yeah it's just like excellent i feel like their bank manager turning up <laughs> so i said oh, i'm looking for jim and this guy skateboarded up to me said all right mate yeah that's me and i was just like well hi um i'm from new mid he went no you're not you're from a bank i was just like right excellent and we had this meeting and then within it was on a friday afternoon and um suddenly at three o'clock this buzzer went off in their office i was just like what's going on and when i was in full you know this is a great opportunity you know i was in full flow by the stage and they stopped everything started moving all the desks and stuff around and noticed these tape marks along this big open open kind of office and i said oh what are you doing he said oh it's three o'clock on a friday at three o'clock we try and see who can skateboard the furthest down on two wheels the length of the building but you love um, that and of course of course you do of course you do
0: it was funny back then, though, wasn't it? Because, I mean, back then, like it was such a long time ago, but we're talking a couple of decades ago. Let's not dwell on it. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is that sort of suited and booted, it was different then because I remember when I was in the city, you, I was wearing suits, you know, we were wearing suits and actually the more senior the position, you would wear a suit now it's actually the other way around. You sort of the more... I mean, it's just... It's, now it's just open for everyone, which is great. Thank yeah. goodness we've got over all of that. But there was a time. Do you know what Massive, I mean? Well, I, remember I remember I worked to work at ID magazine and I was literally like turned up in a suit and they all used to take the mickey out of me because I turned up in my little caramel and suit and they're all like, we're ID. We wear jeans. Freestyling, freestyling, yeah, exactly, a bit like that, and you know, an Emap and all those kind of guys. It well, was not centaur, like
1: that. centaur I worked for, which is where New Media Age was. Yeah, I got so I guess my big break. So there's a guy called who was really my mentor was a guy called Graham Sherrin who set up centaur and he was like proper, proper old school. Mm. So huge Cuban cigar, swept back hair, brilliant. Sort of, I mean, I guess he's in his eighties now. Um. And he'd go, ah, oh, the tall man, lovely to see you. <laughs> so, and, and it was just like um, like publishing from the sort of 70s and 80s, properly old school. But he was so switched on. Yeah. Very, very successful guy. And everybody was like, would be very, oh, yes, you know, sort of lots of differential. Yeah. And being quite gobby. Uh, I wasn't so on one occasion we were in this boardroom for a presentation and he was talking about the challenges of finance and you know the value of 10 pounds and how difficult it was and bearing in mind the bloke had a huge house in Eaton Square a manor in Somerset and houses and a huge house in Jamaica and was worth gazillions Mm. you know everyone's going oh it is so tough and I was like what so I took 10 quid out of my wallet and said Graham I had no idea times were so hard and handed him a tenner I said pay me back when you can and everyone looked at me like I was like Oh my word! What have you done? You're so naughty. Career suicide. <laughs> and he, he loved, loved it. it. Of course So he, he did. loved it. So, but the but so the main title for Centaur was Marketing Week,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he gave me the job to be publisher of Marketing Week. And I was 28, 29. Wow. So it was a huge deal yeah. to get that. Laid. And his only criteria for me taking it, being given the job and being accepted for the role, was if I took my earrings out. He said, "The pig rings, Ed. They've got to go." Oh God! I was just like right. I said, "And not, did you not a problem, Graham? Yeah, yeah for that yeah. amount of money at twenty eight, you got to be joking." I was all yeah. over it. I was like,
0: "Yay!" You could always put them back in it. Exactly, exactly. It's not permanent, but it is that whole that whole sort of setup was very very different then, wasn't it? Like you say with the earrings, it was very. I can remember, you, you know. I have tattoos and they were always, they, they've got, as I've got older, they've become slightly more obvious to the, to the, you know, naked eye that everyone can see them. But at the time I used to sort of hide them pretty well. And I can remember one of my publishers being like, "What, well, you've got tattoos, like totally in shock. Cause normally I was just tottering around in my heels and my, you know, mini skirts and my little suits and things. And then tattoos was just unheard of. And I much prefer it now the way that we yeah. can be a bit more. Just who we are in everyday life. I think it's, life. Still, it's
1: still sector dependent. I it think. is sector dependent. You know, I mean, one of one of my best friends works in um, in the city, in kind of reinsurance and markets and stuff like that, and they still look slightly askance if someone wears <laughs> brown shoes with a dark suit. So, I think I think their their tattoos and earrings are still a long
2: still way, still
0: a little way <laughs> off, still a long way off. I think. So when you became a publisher, like you say at twenty eight, that is really young, and yeah, obviously you got you got a big break, but that's. Because of how well you were doing, how good you were at your job, what was the difference with that? of going from sales because you've you kind of walked into a sales job, and then you're being—I mean, there's a lot of organisation going in there. Yeah, I think because I mean, publisher it, doesn't mean just publishing.
1: No, no, it's you—you you kind of you are kind of overseeing the strategy and the Absolutely. direction of every part of it. But actually, I think when I started out going into sales, it was you know you have targets and you have to hit certain things and so on. But actually, I always had a broader vision because I always thought, well, the sales would be better if we did this, this, and this. And I was always one for ideas. I like ideas. Yeah. I'd consider myself, I guess, to be reasonably creative. And so, you know, so lots of things around that. And so that's, so the path was, you know, it was like sales exec, ad manager, ad director, yeah. associate publisher, publisher of New Media Rage, and then straight into publisher of Marketing Week. But I got a taste for events during that period yeah so i launched the online marketing show yeah back in the day when uh, you know when, people, every, online when people went online well when there was still, <laughs> well, there was still aeo and yahoo yeah. AEO and, and, and yahoo and stuff AOL hey, well rather and so we were going through all those different things and i really liked it mm. and then i moved from centaur to a company called informa yeah who are now the biggest events company in the world um no thanks to me and um, so I worked for the, for them for a few years and I worked on Mobile World Congress and the kind of their their mobile series, um, running all the publishing side and doing on-site TV and doing all these things and working alongside the events team and being with and in, in those projects. And um, it was amazing, but at the same time I was all over the world, which was very cool in some respects, but mm-hmm. then when you've got a young family, yeah. I was also all over the world, which wasn't ideal. Mm-hmm. So... Um, after a couple of years, I decided to knock that on the head and joined and tried to find somewhere local. So I joined this uh, publishing company in Dartford, which was called Finley Publications, yeah. um, which was all about engineering and manufacturing. So I did, uh, so went and joined them as publishing director or something like that, Greek publishing, I can't remember, but something like that to help with their kind of growth and strategy. And that was in 2008. Mm-hmm. And they had a final salary pension scheme invested in layman's and various other people, which obviously went pop in the financial crash. <laughs> so I managed to join a company that went bust like three months after I joined it. <laughs> so I did really well there. And then myself and a couple of other people borrowed a million pounds, bought the company from the administrators, set up Finlay Media yeah. and just transformed it. I mean, we had a fabulous team of people. Lots of change, lots of innovation. We had to do lots of things simultaneously. Built some very successful exhibitions and then we sold that to the Mark Allen Group in 2014, end of 2013, early 2014. And I stayed with Mark Allen for a few years as part of my term of indentured service as part of the buyout, obviously. And then stayed there for a bit longer because I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they asked me to do was set up an events business. So I uh, launched MA exhibitions for them. And when we left, it was around 17 million turnover about four years later. Um, with events on four continents. And then I set up 73 and then ended up here in Greenbridge. <laughs> and that's my entire career. And the rest is history. And that's it, I'm done. That's it, this is the pinnacle. over. I'm out, that's it. <laughs> if, I, if I could take that mic off, I'd drop it at this point.
0: I think, I'm, I'm disappointed you didn't bring a guitar, to be fair, Ed. I was hoping you'd bring a guitar in, but you know, I can we'll still go and get, I can still later. go and get one, I only live in the next village. You've got, you've got a spare one in the back of the car. But rewind a little bit to the because I, I it's interesting every time I talk to you I'm like it's a very interesting because I stopped working in London for family actually I it's similar to you that I, not going all over the world but I was working in London and actually my mm. husband at the time was like you know I've had a I've had enough of these late nights and it was before children but it was all very much around that time family and wanting to do something that brought me locally same as you mm. what I didn't do was borrow a million quid after the company had gone bust. The company hasn't gone bust; it's still going very well, nicely. But what I did do is borrow a million quid with my colleagues and go. I mean, that's a bold thing to do. Yeah. It Tell was, us a bit about that. Um, I'm sure, people would be interested here. You made it sound very, very snappy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I it was basically as simple as that. Just in the day, simple as just that, yeah. popped out and. You um, know. Well, I think today um, you know, I was so the then. CEO of, of the company that had gone under um, a guy called Peter that was very passionate about the sector really knowledgeable about the sector mm. and he kind of and he, he just said look you know we have an opportunity here so either you can because ju- I could have gone just gone back to London and got another job up in London um, but I kind of I really didn't want to mm. um, I wanted to and it just felt right um, and everything I've ever done you know you can see yourself doing it or not see yourself doing yeah. it. And, and I just thought, do you know what? It doesn't hurt, let's see where we get to, let's go for it. And, um, you know, and obviously the, the potential rewards when you've bought the bought the company and therefore you own it is that our aim was um, pay the money back, turn it round, build it up yeah. and then sell it, yeah, which is what we did. So, yeah. so that was kind of eyes on the prize, but also we had there was a large group of really, really good people. Yeah, you um, did
0: have some great people, and it
1: was, and it was very scary for all of them. It was, just, I tell you what, it's not when you get the administrators in to a company, and you're sat there talking to them, and they, they've got a job to do, and I totally get that. But you know, alongside traffic wardens, they're probably the people with the least amount of Christmas cards, I would think, on the planet. And so, and so they kind of, they've got a job to do. They do very well out of it, but it is ruthlessly lines through things you know yeah. length of up people do not it's lines on a spreadsheet because they've they've been told maximize the return for for the companies that are, that are owed money and um, and that was quite a, an upsetting experience to go through and made mm. us just more determined to succeed because lots of people came in because the data was really really strong mm. so lots of people just wanted to buy component bits yeah but we wanted to buy everything yeah. all the people everything so, in fact, when we borrowed the money, we borrowed additional money to make sure that every freelancer, every small company, everyone we worked with, because, um, you know, when you uh, effectively what we did was a pre-packed Phoenix because yeah. it was the existing business coming up. So, it's that classic A1 builders becomes A2 builders. Um, but we were, but the law is there to protect businesses that are viable and who through no fault of their own gets shafted, which is what happened. So... But we wanted it to be not an excuse to wipe away debts that we owed people because we could legally get out of it. Yeah. We wanted to be better than that. Yeah. And so we agreed that I mean HMRC didn't get their money, I won't lie. But I feel slightly less bad about that. But but all of our suppliers and all of our um all of the freelancers and everyone we worked with, we then continued to work with for the following years because we borrowed enough to pay all of them as well that's great and so from there it was just how can we change the business how can we change the way we look at things we we uh, in the first year we rebranded and redesigned every single publication over the same summer period and got everyone out and I think we had some like 400 face-to-face meetings in a three-month period between everybody it was just trying to energise and yeah. and excite people, and then we launched exhibitions, and that really built a, built the business up again.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and it took us longer than we expected. Yeah. Because you know, effectively, we bought we bought a media company in the at the start of the two thousand and nine recession, yeah. which is a classic time to invest heavily in print publishing. But
0: look how it went.
1: But then it did go really well, and we created lots of stuff along the way, and got you know really positive team and then we sold it as I say to the Mark Allen group for a substantial sum which was very nice for everybody.
0: And is that something that you know at the time like you say there was the, you, you know arguably it could have been a slightly scary time to do something was there times in that that you thought oh my god what am i doing? Um or do you because you are very positive I've had a few one to one coaching sessions with you I yeah. know exactly how good this man's heart is and how positive you are but have you always had that sort of you, you're very you know you're determined you're um, very determined
1: yes I am I kind of I think if you've got the right people yeah and the right plan and you've thought it through and and you are fully committed to it yeah then most things are achievable yeah I think you're right and so my my expectation is I guess I guess the way I look at it is if you enter into something it's because it can be done and you've planned out who you need to work with you to get it done and then if at the end of if at the end of that process it doesn't work out how you expect it it's not a question of oh we could have done something different you leave it all out in the field so that you're confident in the knowledge that if, it, if you haven't managed to do it it's because it's impossible yeah um, and so far you know I haven't really come across anything that's impossible I mean, there are things that haven't worked or haven't lasted as long as I wanted them to, or, or I think the whole of my, of everybody's life, if I look back at my life from where I started to where I am now, there's loads of things that I, you know, arguably people would go back and change, Yeah. things that you've done wrong or did it in a way that you just think, oh, what a prat. But actually, every single step of every decision, right or wrong, is why I am sat here in this moment in my life. Yeah. And I wouldn't change that. So mm. I think you just got to you can't dwell on what's happened. You've just got to focus on learning from it and using it to push you forward.
0: Definitely. And I think yeah, and I think that actually like you say with planning as well and also just making decisions. We were talking to another guest and they were saying about just making decisions that Often if you start sort of, what ifs and, you know, what if, Well, if you
1: you don't start, you're definitely not going to do it. (laughs) Exactly. So, (laughs) And I think you can, it's important to research things. It's important to plan things. I'm a big believer in, Mm. particularly with large scale events, I'm a big believer in, you've got to get institutional support. You've got to get a plan in place. You've got to know your roadmap and, and have asked the question. It can't just be made up on your own talking to a mirror. But by the same token... You can plan and plan and plan and plan and plan and plan and plan plan forever and never actually start anything. Mm. And it's about weighing up what's the worst that can possibly happen. Absolutely. So we've launched lots of things and done lots of things over the years, both personally and for businesses I've worked with or run for other people. And not everything works, but if we'd taken the attitude of not trying, then none of it ever would have happened. No. And those businesses wouldn't have grown and wouldn't have existed and you know and just gotta go for
0: it. You've got to go for it. And you've and also support I think support network, you've got to support you've got a beautiful family, supportive yes. family, haven't you? Yes. You've got three children.
1: Yes, indeed. Yes. So Toby's fifteen and so therefore is in for Oh Dad, you're such a butthead. He's um, gonna love you for doing that. Yeah, this. well he's not gonna watch this, is he? On, Let's like, hope not. Oh video with my dad. Yeah, Doondy, as I am known to the children. Doondy. So and then Freya um, who is going to be 13 next month mm-hmm. and then Molly pop is 10 and she will not like me calling her Molly pop on air so Molly is going to be is 10 and will be 11 in September so yeah they're amazing and love them to bits and they're all very much characters um, and
0: can't see where they would get that from
1: it's it's, it's Alley actually it's nothing to do with me all I'm the quiet wife. one I'm the all quiet Ali. one all
0: <laughs> and you have a lot of animals
1: we do have a. We do have. A I had to bring that up just yeah, as we're we going there for a, like a minute. A, we, we'll get we back like to pet. business, but we you do that.
0: like how many at one point? <laughs> we had
1: seventeen pets, I think it was <laughs> oh, at one 17 point. Pets. So, um, but now we so we just brought in a new flock of rescue hens at the weekend, mm. which was amazing. So it's just been. Sat in, the, sat in the chicken run with them whilst they're acclimatising. They're not allowed out for the first have, couple I of weeks.
0: can't see you sitting in a chicken run. I love it. Physically, you're quite tall. Yeah, How no, tall are you, Ed?
1: I'm six foot eight. Yes, that's quite But I, I've made one tall. that I can stand up in.
0: Have you? <laughs> of course you have.
1: So so I just sit in there with them. It's great fun. and You get them to you know, have your hand. they. But for the first two weeks, you can't let them out because they need to know where home is. And it takes them that length of time. So you lock them in so that they... It's even things like in the night at the moment I'm having to go and get them and lift them off the roof or off logs and put them in the chicken coop to go to sleep because otherwise they can't work out on their own. You've got to love chickens. Yes, So yeah, good.
0: I've, I've got a Dashan that doesn't want to go up steps anymore. He's decided not and he just barks at me. He just orders me to sort of lift him. But he yeah. does give me direction. I don't suppose a chicken can do that so well. Well,
1: you know, I'm a, I wouldn't class myself as a chicken whisperer so I'm not sure <laughs> i I can tell you that. but
0: you must have a lot of patience because you've got a big family you've got a big extended family with all your animals you're very, very busy at work you care about people a lot don't you yeah i do you've well, got a great team at 73 yeah, media got an
1: amazing team
0: when you left um or when you decided that you were going to go and set up on your own is that something you always wanted to do i mean obviously you did that before when you bought out finley media but with 73 media what talk to us a bit about how that all came about and then we'll talk um, about lockdown I think
1: for me it is very different so um, because Finley's was to a certain degree you know you're in the right place at the right time Mm -hmm. you've got the right relevant experience and somebody needs your skill set to match theirs in order to take this idea and run with it so so from that perspective you were we were buying a business that already had several million turnover it hadn't didn't have a lot of profit yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. But it had a but it had a bedrock, and it had solid products that had been established for years. It yeah. had a fabulous group of people working on it. Yeah. So then you're kind of turning something around. Yeah. Which I think in many ways is a lot easier than right. I've got a piece of paper. What shall I call it? I'm going to put my IQ 73 Media, <laughs> and then um and then write what's our business going to be. Mm-hmm. And so that is very different. But it's very exciting. So yeah. I've always wanted to set up a business where it was, this is how I wished companies had been. I've, I've, I've liked everywhere I've worked for the most part. Um, you know, you get, obviously, people are people. And so you get some people that are really challenging and some that are really great. And yeah. and I'm sure that I will fit in both categories for different people I've worked with. But, um, but actually, this is really exciting for me because we can do the things that we've that I've always wanted to do Mm. have that balance of life be there for my family but I by nature I'm not a I'm not a nine to five kind of person I'm Mm. I'm quite I just have lots of ideas and I want to do them and I want to do them when I want to do them so it's about meshing those things together so for me 73 was always the opportunity to do that and you know we're knocking on three years going now which On the back of the last 12 to 14 months you know was touch and go at times absolutely but but really good
0: and you are doing amazing and i mean so talk about lockdown a bit i mean obviously we're as as we're recording this now we're in may and this is probably going to come out in june i mean we're getting a bit out of things events are starting to happen but go, let's go back to at the beginning of lockdown. You've st- set up your business. Yeah, you're managing to put all your energy into how you want things yeah. to be. got a great you were,
1: team of people. Got a
0: great team of people. You were you were flying. You were yeah. going really well, and then lockdown happened.
1: Yes. So, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, no one, no one saw it. coming. We all have that reaction, will like, I? No one saw it coming. No. Um, and obviously, if you're running an events company and no one's allowed to gather at, at all, and all venues are shut, it makes it, well, more challenging yes. than when they're all open and people are allowed to gather. Yeah. So I was like an events company that was unencumbered by having to run events. Um, and when it's your only revenue stream, it becomes a bit more exciting. So, so I mean, funny enough, so I was on March the 18th, 2020, I was in Miami on a site visit for a client event. On March the 20th, I was at Miami airport desperately trying to get a plane back to the UK. Mm. And then March the 23rd, we went into lockdown. So, um, And at that point, we had loads of client events planned. We were running lots of things for other people. The rugby show was going out in the first week of June. The um, One Earth show was going out in the first week of October or second week of October. Everything was you know, going in great guns. We had all this new business coming through. Our second full year of trading was going to be an absolute monster. By the end of April, uh, we had lost um, £860,000 worth of business, um, which is quite a lot. We're only a small business, and mm-hmm. so that was significant. Yeah. Um, there was no end in sight. Um, we were losing money. Um, I stopped paying myself in order to protect the staff. Um, we had three people that started on the 1st of March and furlough only qualified if you started by the 29th or 28th of February. Um, it was just a perfect storm of things going yeah, wrong. Yeah. And it was no one's fault. It wasn't my fault. wasn't the business's fault. wasn't anything we were doing. It no. was just a global pandemic and no one can plan for that. So we tried to um, map a way through it. Um, and so I did my my initial, so I'm reasonably optimistic. But like anybody, you know, you have your dark days and everything else. So there was, there was I won't lie, a period of curled up in a ball under my desk, rocking back and forth, sucking my thumb and mm. crying mm. as I was just going, what the hell am I going to do about this? And had no earthly idea. Um, and then we kind of, we looked at other opportunities and I was just like, right. So I said to the team, "We are we are currently strapped to a, we're, we're forced to line a railway track and this one we can see the train it's 100% coming this way so if we don't do anything and this goes on forever or for a year or six months then we won't survive it because I can't keep paying everybody with literally nothing coming in yeah. so therefore the other option is we jump on that train track over there which is learning how to do virtual events and I'll invest in ton of money in kit and training and everything else and we'll give that a whirl and we'll go all in on that which might accelerate our demise, but at least we don't know for certain that there's a train coming on that yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we did. So um, we changed the rugby show into a virtual event. We learned how to do virtual events. We did it with a four-week notice, from start to finish. We had the programme in place for two weeks to go, marketed it, and we had three thousand attendees. We did three, uh, two stages, three days, sixty-five speakers, ninety-five percent live to camera. Was our, was our was our first attempt at a virtual it's event, so it was kind of like death or glory, mm. um, and that opened a lot of doors. So we then started moving into doing a lot of virtual events. We continued to learn and develop and grow, and then, um, yes, yeah, so effectively our transformation into a virtual events agency for the time being um, led us to coming through the year um, with a small profit, as opposed to at one point I was looking at forty grand a month loss. Yeah. Which is when it's your own money um, is, and just in case anyone's unsure, I don't have forty thousand pounds a month. Lying about, I know I exactly. Say, oh, yeah. yeah, forty grand. I oh, know. That. Yeah. So, so yes. Yeah, so that was. You know, it does.
0: It does. It hurts because I think there's there's sometimes, I don't know, not everybody, but unless you've got your own business, people sometimes think that the business is not you. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like the expenses is, is not you. It's we, we the were talking, we were you. seriously it's...
1: talking at times during the course of it. Where will we need to sell our house and yeah, um, or can I get another job? And trying to get a job in the events industry <laughs> in 2020 wasn't going to happen. So so you know, um, uh, you know, and that did, that wasn't. We had to talk about the ramifications of what if the worst course. happens. Yeah, but in my mind, that was never going to happen. Yeah, but it, we may, you know. We had some really tough decisions that, you know, and so some people, um, we had to let go of some people, Mm. um, you know, one of my best friends worked for us and I had to let him go. And Mm. that is, I think actually I would say that's the hardest thing I've ever had to do yeah, in business in a 20 plus year career. Yeah. Um, because they were brilliant, doing a great job, but everything they were doing wasn't happening anymore and I couldn't afford
0: To keep it. To keep it. Yeah. And everyone
1: else took pay cuts. And I tried where possible to help people find other jobs, which which everybody did, which is great. But it's horrendous. It was really dark times. But at the same time, we've come through it. We've learned a lot. We've been able to do some amazing stuff. Yeah. You know, we've ended up being, so we're now the, because I don't know if I mentioned, I like rugby. Yeah. Um, And You've
0: you haven't mentioned rugby enough, and you haven't mentioned awards enough. Oh,
1: did I, awards, all oh, those things. <laughs> um, so um,
0: I thought you were going to bring in your.
1: Yeah, so you know. I've got them permanently strapped to the that. inside that of my been jacket.
0: Brilliant! I would have loved that. Um,
1: next time. Next time. Mm. But yeah, so but with the rugby thing, for example, we learned a lot and developed a lot, and actually, we are now um, official virtual event suppliers to Wasps Rugby. So that's the we're the first. Um, first contractor to have that happen with a premiership rugby club which has been amazing in fact we're doing an event for them and vodafone and dell on the 19th of may and that's been really great um we've done events for we've been working with caterpillar we've done events for charities we've done events for large corporates we've done events for other event organizers yeah um which has been cool we've done uh, events for associations Uh, and what's been really fun is a lot of people the challenge is virtual learning all the virtual stuff is you've got to have a really open mind Mm. because a lot of them people were taking what they'd done physically dropping it in online Mm. and assuming it would work the same way well Mm. if you're at an awards do we all know that 90% of going to an awards do is going on the lash with your mates and your colleagues dressing up and just generally being at a party and paying attention to the categories you are nominated in (laughs) and nothing else.
0: Really? I thought everyone listened to everything.
1: And then the after party, and that's yeah. what an awards do is really. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that, it's brilliant, and yeah. I think they're really important. But if you're trying to do an awards online where the audience isn't there, mm. then actually all you're left with fundamentally is the reading of categories, <laughs> yeah. which can be frankly pretty tedious. Yeah. But um, it's thinking creatively, using technology and ways of doing that. And we were able to do things like we've, um, we did an awards do for uh, an organization just recently, where we had two and a half thousand attendees from 36 countries and they stayed on, 94% of them stayed online for the full three hours of the event. And we had after party rooms and this, that and the other. And actually when we had overextended the event, we said, right, we're shutting it off now. There were still 350 people in the, in the uh, DJ room. And the chat on that because we have we record all the chats. Some of the chat we, we got to a point where people chatting each other. It was amazing, That's <laughs> amazing. There's a book in that which I, I couldn't, say, po- which I, I couldn't possibly s- produce. You could, and it's one of those ones you've published some, at the time of my death. You've got some, you da-
0: go. yeah, some dangerous material. You need to be aware of these things. And as
1: you say, we 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 won a few. We've.
0: You've won a few awards. Well,
1: we've won some awards and we've been nominated for some awards, yeah. which has been amazing.
0: And, you know, and also it, it's great what you've been doing. To, you've been helping Telemade dreams. Yeah. You've been doing some events for them this year, haven't you? And the other things that you've been doing, because you do do a lot of charity work, and that's you, you do personally, don't you? You do a lot of support with some of the food yeah. banks as well.
1: Yes. So um, so one of the founding principles that I wrote down when I was had my blank piece of paper with 73 meter written on the top of it, yeah. Um, was wanting to do something that actually made a difference because mm. when you travel i mean I've, I've worked on events in 44 countries on five continents and what you find is that you go to these events and it is get off a plane a car or a nice cab is waiting to take you to your five-star hotel yeah and then the venue's all sumptuous luxury and everything is about experience and the best thing possible and you don't have to go far in any location to walk from sumptuous luxury to abject poverty Absolutely. in the same place. Absolutely, And I kind of, I, can't, I find that I can't ignore things like that. Mm. And I don't, and, I, and rightly so, I don't think we should ignore things like that. So I think we all have a responsibility to do whatever we feel prompted to do. And so I've always personally, and as a family, we've always tried to do what we can. But I thought now I've got this business Um, So, we committed to putting 20% of our profit every year into good works, basically charitable works. So, either working with grassroots organizations in the cities where we're doing the projects or um, industry-related charities alongside whatever topic we're covering as an event subject. Um, And so, this year, obviously, there hasn't been very much profit to do that, but also my team buy into that. Yeah, that's so, really important. So we've we've talked about um, you know, moral compass and where we're about and everyone for the most part has got families, um, they have that balance. So what the not working together and not being physically together actually hasn't been a problem because yeah. we've kind of always operated like that. But it's about doing something you can believe in and making a difference where you can see the opportunity to make a difference. So so I said, Right, we're not gonna make a, a lot of money but I think we should be doing things for charity mm-hmm. where virtual is an opportunity. So I'd been put in touch with Tailor Made Dreams because um, one of the children, that, so Tailor Made Dreams, in case anyone doesn't know, is a charity that kind of pro- pro- provides once in a lifetime moments, bucket list moments, for, um, for children who are, have life limiting illnesses. Um, and so, you know, significantly poorly kids, and in in the sit up uh, setup that we've got with COVID, of course, they're at the highest possible level yeah. of isolation. Yeah. And also, in some cases, you know, while we're all going well, when everything gets back to normal, well, not everybody has that length of no, time. No, they
0: don't. No, they don't.
1: So, so they were doing these experiences, and I was put in touch because Susie Mitchell, who founded it, whose son Taylor is Taylor of Taylor Made Dreams, um had basically approached me because she had a one of the children like rugby. Great choice. And <laughs> wanted somebody that might be able to introduce him to a famous rugby player. And I know a few rugby players. Yeah. So, so that's how it started. And then we, quickly chatting, I said, well, actually, we could do much more for you here. Yeah. Why don't we do this virtually? We will create a virtual environment for you. We mm. will use the platform. We will cover all the costs. Um, we will then set it up with a separate tailor-made um dreams background and we will introduce them manage it all on the day and then have these one-to-one experiences where we do them in a video environment so in a virtual platform where the family can all join in to be the audience it's Mm -hmm. all close and no one else can access it then we produce it as a video afterwards that the child can then treasure and then the family can cherish the memory of and so so um And then we got her on Radio Kent talking about that. And and it's been brilliant. So the first one we did um, was a a young lady who wanted to be an astronaut and was so knowledgeable about space, it was incredible. And we'd just done another charity event um, for schools for the uh, John Egging Trust. Mm. And so we did the same thing. We did two events for them for free just before Christmas. And these were with uh, Professor Brian Cox and um, Harv Smith who is Air Vice Marshal Halfsmith, Director of Space for the UK, and it's just the man's a legend. I mean, absolutely. It was watching him and um, Brian Cox chatting. I don't know who was geeking out more about the other. <laughs> it was the ultimate bromance. So we got Halfsmith to do a, a surprise one-to-one session, and from that he has gone on and made sure she's enrolled in Air Cadets, even oh, though she can't fantastic. go, and he's helping her with the Space Cadet Program. It was amazing. Yeah. So, but... The mental health and positive impact on me and the team when we're going through really difficult situations, trying to keep the business and grow and, and adapt actually those things are so valuable so we give everyone everyone gets time off in the month out of their working week to make sure that they can go and volunteer on a project if they want to that's great um, you know whether it's shopping for neighbors or helping in a food bank um, we use the company pickup to collect food every week for the um st matt's um community larder down in high brooms yeah um and so that's it's just things like that make a huge difference
0: it's so important i think that's like you said you wanted to set up something that really spoke to you about all the things that you wanted i mean that's that's part of you that's what you and those are the things that light us up aren't they yeah i mean we can all have all the the nice the nice things that come with having a business and the responsibility and but actually you know i mean that's for me the soapbox that's the only Mm. reason why i do it because it's just it's that part it's it's wonderful that you do that and you get your team involved it's very inspiring i'm sitting here thinking there's more that i should be doing of those things i'm (laughs) sure i'm sure lots of people listening will be thinking that i
1: mean i think the thing is that It's not. It's uh, it's certainly in my mind. It's not a competition. Of course not. Every everybody. If everyone does their beer. Exactly. I mean, one of the things around the One Earth show when we set that up was I wanted it to be open to everybody. So Mm. we had a setup where every single person that attends, we planted a tree for every person that attends. That's amazing. So so that just by turning up, you you have made a difference difference, because not everyone has the resources or the time, and everyone's got their own challenges with lockdown. You know, so many people struggling. In the events industry, actually, the hardest hit, I think, is the suppliers, mm. because if there are no events, they can't do anything at all. Whereas, at least with event organisers, there's an opportunity to adapt. You might have an established community, and you start doing other things to to generate income. It's still hard, but it's a lot harder for for so many. So
0: it's so true as well. And we, yeah, like we've worked with companies, you know, and sound technicians, all these mass. They've just nothing. everything just stopped. You know. And, and, like and Tom, it was a
1: bit of a mixed bag as to what funding and support the sector's got. People yeah. so get, yeah. So
0: do you see events now getting... You're, you've got events planning, obviously all the time you're planning, but do you see events getting back to how they are? Do you think there'll be a mix? Because obviously now you're a master in your own field of virtual events, which is great.
1: I think, well, to be honest with you, I think uh, it's... You it's, do a it's, bit of both. Yeah, it, you can do it. It's really <laughs> funny, isn't it? Because everyone's like, you know... Uh, virtual event expert and if we're (laughs) if we're honest most people had never even heard of them before may last year you've made up a whole so uh, i think it's i mean some people have been doing them for years and years years, i know but but it's but the reality is i think virtual event experience has been a bit like dog years in comparison Mm. to normal so i've got a good decade in now yeah um but so for me i think virtual events hybrid events will absolutely be part of the makeup going forward yeah i think with you know you can't shut pandora's box once it's been opened and Mm -hmm. you know the entire planet pretty much now is used to zoom and teams and that, that by the way does not constitute an online event it's much more complicated i don't just do zoom meetings no you don't but um but at the same time people are used to engaging in that kind of technology now And particularly on the consumer side, but also for things like conferencing, Mm. where you can now get a speaker from the other side of the world, and as long as you've planned in their time zone, all they've got to do is give up an hour. Mm. It's very different to the kind of programming you can pull together of high value content, yeah, where they don't have to fly around the world to do it. It also reduces your cost, yeah. But I don't think it's going to replace so. A very good friend of mine runs consumer events, um and they he focuses on running fitness he's got a ski show he's got all manner of different things an outdoor event so well worth checking out and they've got one in July at Farnborough which is the southern edition of the National Running Show so you can look that up online and check yourself in. But they've got 20,000 people have signed up for that event. Wow. And that's in July. Yeah. So the demand to get out and do things, I think, is huge. I think we are made for relationship. We're Definitely. built for connection. Definitely. And whilst lockdown would have been much harder without the technology, um, I think it would have been really, really hard without being able to see people's faces as yeah. you talk. I don't think that's the future, you know, 10 hours of video meetings a day. Please No. So, so I think that's. I think we will have both, um, and I'm very excited. You know, I think it's
0: an extra tool. I think we've got extra tools now. In the same
1: way that magazines didn't die when the internet came yeah. along, which everyone said they would.
0: Absolutely, I totally agree.
1: But I think the the ex- yes, as it stands at the moment, officially, mm. um, the 21st of June is when all limits are removed, yeah. and the test events are happening across the country even yeah. as we speak. Um, and they're all going really, really well. So yeah. I think the government's ambition is that we will end up in a situation possibly through rapid flow testing or something yeah. like that or, or whatever their criteria will come out with which will be told to us at the beginning of June. But it, where it's no limits, no distancing, no masks. Yeah. And on the 22nd of June is Confex at Excel which is run by MASH Media which is the big event for the events industry. Mm. So if any team's going to party...
2: It's, it's going to be, be that them. one.
1: So that'll, that'll be the test. I mean, the thing I, I think I I fear for the person, the first person I hug is a very real chance I'll never let go. <laughs> so so they could have they could be permanently attached or have a six foot eight, 18 stone man permanently attached to them for, for months, arguably.
0: So we need to watch out for you at events, <laughs> don't we? And what would be your best bit of advice before we sort of say goodbye today to anyone hoping to, you know... Go out there and start a business or start start a company they've always dreamed of. What's been the thing that's really kept you going on that path?
1: Um, I think there's a number of things. I'd say um, one is believe in yourself mm. because um, if you don't, there will be bumps in the road. There is no smooth. I mean, I can say I'm oh, sorry, did this, and then I got a job there, then I got promoted, then we mm-hmm. sold that company, then. I mean, there was, you know, that's twenty years of, yeah, um, of ground ups, ground, downs and, and, <laughs> and 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 agony and mm. and and so on. But um, so test your ideas, yeah. Get a group, a support group of really, really good people who aren't afraid to say, my word, what a stupid idea that is. (laughs) It might still be that you do it because there's loads of people that have done amazing businesses where someone says it was a stupid idea. So don't be put off by that. But you want people that are not afraid to say no to you. You need
0: honesty around you, yeah.
1: Um, And I think just go for it. Seize the day because, you know event things can work and they cannot work and there's loads of those things that you normally see on LinkedIn where it was this person did this it failed they did this it failed they did this it failed and then they invented the world and they became billionaires and so there's loads of stuff like that you know and it's do you give up at this point or this point? If you did, then you're not Elon Musk. You know, it's all that kind of stuff that's yeah. out there. But it's true. Yeah. You know, it's about not being knocked back for, by the first hurdle. That's where the support group is great because it doesn't have to be that they understand what your business is about. They have to understand you. Yeah. And be how to get pick you back up and dust you off. Yeah. When inevitably you get knocked on your ass time and time again, because when you get through it. It is so worth it. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things if I hadn't done it, I would have always regretted it.
0: Totally. I think that's the thing, isn't it? You don't... It's not a dress rehearsal. You don't want regrets any more than we already have over certain things. I... Ed, I love talking to you. No, I do. I could talk to you. I could talk to you for days. <laughs> it's always a joy to talk to you. you. I know you've got lots of things planned that maybe we can't talk about today. Yeah. But will you come back and chat to us about them?
1: I'm sure we can make that happen.
0: Okay. All right. Well, Ed, if people want to find out more about you, the best place to go is 73 Media, isn't it? Yeah. Or just obviously just Ed Tranter, extraordinaire. <laughs> yeah, I, I
1: wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, don't Google search me. There's some search damaging for, stuff out there.
0: Search for a very tall chicken. Yes, tall, tall, bald man. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming to talk oh, to us Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Cheers.